a rough few weeks, not just for the family of Kylie, but for the entire church family as well. Um, in my spirit this week, Monday and Tuesday, um, <clears throat> I started to get a cold and, you know, we got through this first couple of days and Wednesday I was just trying to recoup and, and Thursday is typically my sermon prep day and, and I'm trying to think, Lord, what on earth do you want me to share this week? And I just couldn't get the theme, uh, the topic, uh, that we began last week, uh, the the funeral and the calling hours and everything was just really still heavy on my heart, and and so I'm going to go with just an extension of that this this morning, and um, I want to talk this morning about the house of mourning, about the house of mourning. One of the biggest points that I made, I believe, last Sunday and on Tuesday is that when it comes to tragic events in our life, when it comes to the whys of our life, and those of you who um, get the budget, um, it's my turn to write the articles for the month of September. So I'm going to be talking about this theme because I believe that this is a topic that um, everybody needs to hear. Everyone needs to, to know where do they go, where do they turn to for the whys in their life. You know, when, when the difficult situations come, where are the answers for the whys of life? And um, one of the things that I told everyone is that whenever difficult times happen and things that we can't really explain or why did this happen or why does that happen, happen um, I believe that we have to communicate and have to express that God does not create or cause these things to happen. But we have to believe that he longs to expose himself to people through it all. He wants people to take these experiences to look to him. To use them to, to get a lost and a dying world to turn their attention to him and to prepare us for eternity. That's what he wants us to do. And my heart was drawn to that passage in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 2. It says that it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men, and the living will take, will take it to heart. I have a feeling I'm going to have to be careful how loud I try to get because my voice is not there. What that means for you, you better be listening, because I'm not going to speak for a loud today. <clears throat> you get that last line, and the living will take it to heart. That's you and I. The living will take it to heart. Why does the author say this? Why was this passage written? Would we not rather go to a party? Why does he say that it's better to go to the house of mourning, to a funeral? Yesterday kicked off the college football season, and there were hundreds if not thousands of tailgate parties taking place all around the country. Uh, people flock to those types of occasions, and they look forward to those things, the time of fun and enjoyment, and that's fine as well. 
Obviously, we don't desire for anyone to pass away. We don't wish ill will on anyone. So why does the Bible say this? And I pray that you will hear my heart for just a few moments this morning and really put yourself in tune to that verse. I believe the Bible says this, the author said this, because the atmospheres that surround the passing of a loved one, the settings of funerals, should cause everyone to think about eternity. Right? It should cause everyone to think about eternity and the things of eternal significance. You see, it's so easy to get life out of priority. It's to get life out of line, to get our priorities out of whack. And it's so easy for that to happen. And funerals should be times that should help us realign our lives and our priorities. And this really doesn't happen at a party, does it? Out of all of the funerals that I've been a part of, especially since I've been in full-time ministry, I can't name one time I've been been a part of some difficult situations, some difficult funerals, but I cannot remember a time whenever I did not leave that funeral and go home and ask myself the question, how is my walk with Jesus? Is it up to date Am I still passionate for Jesus? Is there still a commitment that I have? Is there a longing in my heart for Jesus? Is there anything... Listen, these are the questions that you should be asking yourself. Is there anything in my life that would jeopardize my standing with the Lord? Is there some relationship in my life that needs repaired or some relationship that needs worked on. Again, folks, life is short, isn't it? Life is short. And it has caused me to go home and hug my wife, hug my kids a little tighter, to tell my wife and my kids how much that I love them. It should cause us to tell those around us, those that are important in our life, how much we love them and how much they mean to us. You see, these are the kind of things that should happen when we walk away from calling hours, when we walk away from a funeral, times of mourning and weeping, funerals and grave sites. These are the times that we need to look at our life. How are we doing? And I'll ask you this morning, how are you doing? It gives us the ability to look at our lives because we're all just one breath away from eternity ourselves. I just read Ecclesiastes 7.2, but verse 1 also has a very powerful message and it says this, A good name is better than precious ointment in the day of death than the day of one's birth. Also, mirrors that verse in Proverbs when it says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver and gold. Listen, church, it's no coincidence that Ecclesiastes 7, 1 and 2 are back to back there. There's, there's, there's a reason, there's a purpose that God inspired the author, the writer, to put that there. 
A good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death than the day of one's birth. Have you ever thought about names? Probably not. So I'll have you think about it with me. Names. Names have the ability to have a profound impact on our lives, don't they? Just a name. Just the mention of a name. Names can bring about profound emotions in our life. They can have a profound impact on our lives. Some names can bring about feelings of admiration, great fondness. There's many people who are specifically named after people of the past or in their heritage that were, that were people of great uh, influence. There's probably a number of you. I'm thinking of this little boy right here, right? Warren. There's probably a number of you who were named after people, your first name or your middle name, that was named after someone who had a great influence in your life. Some names can cause feelings of anger, though, and resentment and bitterness. There's probably uh, some names, those of you who have had children, um, as you were trying to decide what to name your children, as different names were mentioned, there may have been a name or two that you thought, oh, no, I'll never use that because I know someone named, that's named that, and you know what I'm talking about. I just don't want that negative connotation to my baby. And isn't it interesting that you never hear anybody naming their child Judas or Adolf or Benedict? You see, some names carry negative connotations. I have a book at home that I believe my mom got me. Uh, you, you may think it's a little sick and demented, um, but um, it's, it's called, it's titled, Where Are They Buried?, where are they buried? And what it is, it's a book about famous people. It's about celebrities who have passed on, and it tells the story of their life, and it tells you exactly where they're buried. So if you had any desire to take a road trip sometime, <laughs> that's sick, and it's sick, isn't it, uh, to, to go to some of these places and see this. But it's interesting because just about every celebrity, every famous person that I'm reading about, they have something in their past. That's not good. Some kind of scandal. Some are good and some are bad. But many of them have a scandalous past, things that have followed them even to their grave. You see, whether we realize it or not, your name and my name has some kind of a legacy attached to it. And we're not necessarily the best ones to ask what that legacy is because we'll always think it's a positive legacy, right? Yeah. Even Kylie Thomas has a legacy. Hers is a beautiful legacy that will be forever etched in the hearts and minds of those of us here, but none so powerful as her family and friends. Just the mere mention of a name carries a lot of meaning and weight with it. I want to describe a life of someone that some of you may be able to tell who it is. There's a person who was born on June 1st, 1926. 
Their father was undetermined. They didn't know who the father was. And the mother had serious psychological problems. So this child was, um, was uh, shifted from one orphanage to another and from one foster home to another. This person spent much of their life trying to just find their identity, but they were determined to make something out of themselves when they grew up. This person turned to modeling in the movies. And this person hit the pinnacle as a movie star in the late 1940s and the late 1950s, making, this was a lot of money back then, but this person was making up to $10,000 a week back in the 40s and the 50s. But on August 5th, 1962, this person OD'd on Nebutal and passed away. The birth name of this person was Norma Mortensen. Anybody know who that is? You know her as Marilyn Monroe. Hmm. She spent her entire life building a false image behind a false name, and it cost her her life in the end. Just the mere mention of her name conjures up multiple images, for those of you especially who kind of are aware of that era. To this day, she is still worshipped by many, many people. But she also has a legacy that it's not exactly flattering, especially when it comes to standards of decency and purity and morality. Her life leading up to her death was one filled with drugs and alcohol and one promiscuous relationship after another. And unfortunately, this is her legacy. But there's another story that's associated with her that goes along with my message. You see, back in the 1950s, there was a young Christian man who, for whatever the reason was, he began to take on a burden for this lady. Looked at her life and just saw that her life was spiraling out of control. And he began to have a burden to share Jesus Christ with her. And so he sent her a letter asking if he could meet with her. Not alone, obviously, but asking if he could meet with her and share this message with her. For he longed to tell her about Jesus. But the story goes that once she received this letter, she said, I have no desire to hear about all this Jesus stuff and this religious stuff. And she threw the letter aside. That man who wanted to share the gospel with her was Billy Graham. Her legacy could have been different. She had a chance to change. She had a chance to change her legacy, but she didn't. You see, when we come from a house of mourning like we have this week, God is trying to get our attention, church. He does not want us just to go back to life as usual. And for the family, there is no normal anymore. He's giving us an opportunity this morning to take a look at our life. He oftentimes gives us opportunities to check our lives. 
And it's almost unthinkable, and I said this to someone within the last week or two, it's almost unthinkable to, to, to make this comment, can anything good come from her passing, from Kylie's passing? But I have to believe that if someone's through all of this, through the last week or two, through the service that was uh, held on Tuesday, if someone, one person, alters their eternal destination because they have thought about these things, if one person accepts Jesus Christ, If one person looks at their life and says, you know what, there's things in my life that are not right, I don't know that I'm ready for eternity, then some kind of good will have come from that. Listen, the day that we lie in the casket is not the day to contemplate what kind of legacy we've already left behind. Now is the time to consider what kinds of things that you once said at your funeral. Not the day that our bodies are placed in the grave. This is what is meant by the saying, it's better to go to a house of mourning. As difficult as those times are, they should make us all ponder and think. You see, this is what I did at the funeral on Tuesday. I, I told them I, I, I could try and talk about Kylie and her life and, and fill our 30, 40 minutes up with that. But, you know, as I said last week, Kylie's race is run. She's safe in the arms of Jesus. She's home free. But I knew that I was going to be talking to a number of people that may, not, may never have really have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we had to take that opportunity. And I, I just point blank told them, you need to consider your life with Jesus Christ. You need, to, you need to think about where you're headed. Was Jesus Lord of their life? Because if they wanted to see Kylie again, there was only one way they could do that. I wasn't sure if I was going to share this, but I'll go ahead and share it. I shared this on Tuesday The story of the rich man and Lazarus in Luke chapter 16. We all know that story. The rich man was a wicked man. Lazarus was a beggar who sat outside of the door of the rich man just looking to get crumbs, looking to get something to eat. And, and day after day, and we're led to believe year after year, the rich man did. He just turned away and he paid no attention to Lazarus. The day they both passed away, and we know the story that it says that Lazarus went up to paradise and was uh, in the bosom, by the bosom of Abraham. And the rich man went to Hades in torment. And the story goes that he was in such torment that he looked across the way. He looked upon across the gulf that separated him from them. And he looked at Abraham and he said, Abraham, would you please send Lazarus here? Just have him dip his finger in water and just have him come here and cool my tongue, please. He said, for I am in torment here. And Abraham said, cannot do that because there is a great gulf between us and you and we cannot come to where you are. And this is the part that I talked to them about on Tuesday. And I said, so the rich man then said, then please allow Lazarus to go back from the, from the land of the dead, go into the realm of the living and warn my family. Warn them, tell them, don't follow my ways. Warn them that there is a hell to be shunned and a heaven to gain. 
And Abraham said, I'm not able to do that as well. And I told them on Tuesday, I believe with all my heart that if Kylie could pass from that place where she's at now, she's not in torment though, she's in, the, she's in paradise. If she could pass from the land of paradise into the realm of the living, you know what she would tell us? She would say, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm sitting here beside him. I know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to come to where I am, there is only one way. There's only one way. I'm, I'm speaking to a law of the cream of the crop right now. I understand that. But I'm also perhaps speaking to some who know you're not living the way you need to live. You know there's something perhaps in your life that's not quite right. And you're not sure if you're ready for eternity. It's better to come from a house of mourning. Consider your life. Mm. You see... Our legacies are made one day at a time. They're made one choice at a time, one decision at a time. Those things that you and I do today will determine the kind of name and the kind of legacies that we will have tomorrow. Oh, that we would focus our life this morning, church, on the things that last forever. Oh, it's easy to say that behind the pulpit as a preacher. There's a man named Fang Yang. He is Chinese, if you can't tell. Fang Yang is his name. And I read the story uh, a number of years ago. Uh, Fang Yang has been obsessed with a hobby since he was six years of age. He's into his, well into his 30s now. Um, what is his hobby? His hobby is blowing bubbles. Blowing bubbles. He can do some amazing things with bubbles. He has set 16 Guinness Book of World Records with bubbles, believe it or not. He, he was able to encase two sumo wrestlers in a huge bubble. He was able to encase an 8,800-pound elephant in a bubble. Some of you are going to go home and Google him um, Fang Yang is his name, or vice versa, or whatever that is. This is what he's known for. This is, this is what he has dedicated his life to. I'm not trying to pick on him and say that you know, we can't have interests and we can't have hobbies. But it made me think, he's given his life to this. It made me think how many people are building their legacies and their lives on things as light and short-lived as bubbles. Now I'm going, to, I'm going to step on some toes here. We are just now entering a season to where this kind of stuff is going to be going on. <laughs> uh, we live in a world where our football crazed fans are just out of control, huh? Uh, you, we see this on TV. Football season is, up, is upon us. And look, I, I love Buckeye football and I have a lot of fun with it. But folks, it's not going to do one thing for my eternal destination. Not one thing. Hear me out on this. 
If anything, we can allow things like this to even interfere with our eternal destinations. I believe that things like this in football in America, they've even become a god. They've even become an idol in our society. And not to dampen our enthusiasm for our team, but whether your team wins it all or whether they lose it all, it's not going to affect your eternal destinations, church. Mm, Say amen or ouch. (laughs) The last couple of weeks, I haven't been involved with this, so I I can't really take any uh, credit for this, but the last couple of weeks, our softball team uh, has really advanced in the playoffs. we fell short a couple nights ago, uh, but the guys really pulled it together. They just did an awesome job. Um, there were some incredible teams out there that they were beating. Um, but the other night, uh, I, was, I was able to be there, and you know, you're a little dejected, but Dave Sweat made a very great statement. He said, guys, in 100 years from now, it's not going to matter whatsoever. And I'm just going to piggyback on top of that. Whether we won it all or lost it all, it has no effect on our eternal destinations. What's the purpose of something like a softball team? I believe the purpose is so that I can fellowship with Dean Hall, that I can fellowship with my brother and the Lord, and also it gives us a chance to invite those to be a part of our fellowship and to help witness to them and to help lead them along in the way of Jesus Christ. That's what we're there for. But you know what I mean? It's, it's easy to let our life get out of alignment, to get out of priority. Remember, legacies last forever. Going to a house of mourning is the time that we should be asking ourselves, are we placing our time and our efforts into those things that will last forever? Time with the family is important. Taking trips is fine and dandy. Having certain interests and hobbies can be relaxing and enjoyable. But if they overshadow our walk with God, if they are taking the place of our time of getting in the Word of God, if they're taking time of us getting on our knees daily, if it's taking time away from our involvement with the church, if it's taking time away from how we serve the church, then, then folks, we are in danger Hear me, this is one of those warnings that comes from a house of mourning. Be careful. Our eternal destinations are at risk. You see, funerals are a good indicator of the kind of legacy that we will leave behind. I've been to many, many funerals since I left here 14 years ago and entered full-time ministry And typically I can tell within the first five to ten minutes of a service the legacy of the loved one that's passed away. I can typically tell what was most important in that person's life. And I've often heard things, one of the very first things that you hear are things like they were an honest individual, they were a hard-working individual, they were honest, they were were a, a man or a woman of integrity give you the shirt off their back. We'll do anything for you. They were a great provider for the family. They were a great they were a great husband or a wife or a great mother or a father. Maybe they served in the military. 
They served honorably in the military. Sometimes there's a lot of talk about what their interests were, what their hobbies were. I heard one time that a man wanted to be buried with his Harley Davidson because he loved it so much. So they made provisions to bury him with his Harley Davidson. But the trip from this life to the next life is one trip that that bike was not going to take. You hear things about they live life to the fullest, but church so many times, listen, I don't, I don't want this said at my funeral. A lot of times it's what you don't hear that tells the most. Sometimes you don't hear a thing about their love for Jesus Christ. You don't hear or see any kind of evidence about their life being consumed with Jesus. And yes, I'm saying that my life and your life needs to be consumed with Jesus. You're just being radical, Pastor Brock. You just come off a couple difficult weeks. We'll let you get it out of your system. I mean, there's other things in life. I mean, and I understand there are other things in life. But there's nothing more important than our relationship with Jesus Christ and him being consuming, a consuming fire in my life. I want someone to walk away from my funeral service and say, wow, I don't know what all he was involved with, whatever interest he had, but boy, he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. It's better to go to a house of mourning. It makes us think about these things. Mm. I guess I shouldn't expect a whole bunch of amens on a message like this. What will last forever? Let me try and bring this in for a lady. What kind of things do last for forever? Hebrews 5, 9, and having been perfected, speaking of Jesus, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. 9, 12, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Our salvation church is eternal that's what we had better be placing a lot of all of our time and energies into. Uh, our most precious commodity of time and resources. Salvation is eternal. Our inheritance is eternal. First Peter 1, 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Man, I really like this next verse in Isaiah 56. It talks about our names. It talks about our legacies, the kind of names that we want to have. For this is what the Lord says, I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath days holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. Listen to this. And I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. For the name I give them is an everlasting one. It will never disappear. Isn't that the kind of name you want to leave behind? Yes. Our eternal home. Our eternal home is forever. 
The Apostle Paul, he left an incredible legacy. This, was, this is a couple of verses that, that surmises his legacy. Maybe it's not on there. All right, Philippians 3.7. Let me turn there. You can turn there if you want. Philippians 3.7 if you want to see it. Mm. Philippians 3, 7, actually through 9. Paul just got done saying all the things that he could place his confidence in, all the things that he had achieved in life. But then he said in verse 7, Philippians 3, 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Mm. I've been a part, it just, you know, Ecclesiastes 7.2 says, it's better to be a, go to a house of mourning than a house of feasting, a house that's a party. But I'll say this, this thought just hit me. I've been a part of funerals, and my, my grandfather's funeral was one of them, that we were at that house of mourning, but he had so lived for Jesus Christ. He had so consumed himself for Jesus Christ that that house of mourning became a party. You know what I'm talking about. That's what I want. Our house of mourning, our time of passing should turn to a, a party to where we're celebrating because we're not here. We're up there with the Lord, Savior, our Lord and Savior rejoicing and having a great time. Are you living the kind of life that that can be done set at your funeral? Live it. And lastly, at the calling hours, there were several sets of flowers there. And Jeannie, I'm going to read your statement again. Um, Jeannie had um, three yellow roses there at Guy Funeral Home. And she wrote a message to Kylie. And this is what Jeannie said. And it just really sums up what I've been trying to say. I read this on Tuesday. Jeannie said this to Kylie. As you play, laugh and run through heaven. Watch for me when the time comes for God to call me home. And I love this line, Jeannie. Thank you. I will live my life for God so I will be able to share eternity with you. Love and kisses. That's it, church. That we should live our life in such a way that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know where we're going to be. Is there someone here might not be happy with the legacy that you're leaving behind? You're a great person, doing a lot of good things. You're doing the best that you can, but you know the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you right now. You know that there's something you can do to change your legacy. Maybe it's not dominated 
and I mean dominated by your love and your commitment for Jesus Christ. You want more of him. And you know there's got to be more in your life. You see, this morning God is giving all of us another chance to consider our lives. To consider our eternal destinies. Consider what kind of legacies that we are leaving behind. Oh, may we be people. May we be people who live with eternity in mind. Mandy and Joyce, if you'll come up. I don't know what song they've picked. I'm not going to drag this out. Look, if you're on fire for Jesus Christ, then let this message just be inspiration for you to keep doing what you're doing. Keep loving him. Keep looking for more opportunities to share his love. Keep doing what you're doing. But this is an opportunity for maybe someone this morning to, the altars are open, to say, you know what? Things got to change in my life. If I want to be prepared for eternity, would you stand with me, please, and bow your heads? Stand and let's bow your heads. Father God, whew. Lord, now is the time to be considering these things, not whenever words are shared over our gravesite. God, you are, Lord, I feel that there is at least one, if not more, I know there's probably more people, Lord, there's at least one person right now, you are placing your finger on their life, and you're saying to them, I'm giving you a chance, I'm giving you another opportunity, I'm telling you, get things right with me. Lord, I pray that they will not leave this place until they work things out with you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for your long suffering. Thank you for the chances that you give us. Oh God, may we not blow it. May we live all out for you, Lord, or it's nothing at all. Your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen.